I'm going to pick up today with the second statement on the cross, and uh, we're talking about the last words of Jesus, because these, these statements of Jesus on the cross, we, we, we found out last week there's something going on here, and they're not only sequential, meaning they're, they're, the, the last statement can't be the first statement. Last week's first statement, Father, forgive them, can't be at the end. We found out it has to be at the beginning. And that there's a reason God put these statements in sequentially. They're there for a reason. And, uh, and we know that God's not making random statements here. Because we know Jesus, his entire life, said he did nothing unless the Father told him to do it, Jaden. He only spoke what the Father told him to speak. He only did what the Father told him to do. And so we, don't, we can't come to the assumption that all of a sudden he gets on the cross and he just starts going rogue and making random statements. He's not making random statements to us. And they're to us. They're telling us something about the covenant. They're telling us something about their, 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 and if they're the last words of Jesus before he yields up the ghost, then they have to be telling us something vital and important. And last week we saw that, that Jesus was telling us and, and, and doing something so powerful in that first statement that he was, it, forgiveness is the first way back into the kingdom of God. And so we know that. We're going to look at seven statements. Look at this first uh, slide. Uh, we, we'll be looking each week, but Father, forgive them for they know not what they do was that first statement that we cried last week. And then today, thou shalt be with me in paradise is where we're going to look today. And then we'll look again at woman, behold thy son. And, and my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then he's going to cry, I thirst. And then he's going to cry, it is finished. And then, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And we know that, like I said, none of them are random. He, 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 he doesn't start that way. Three of the statements we said last week were made in the morning. Uh, when he's put on the cross, probably about 10 or 11, we said he had this kangaroo court in the middle of the night. And then they bring him, and it's probably around 10, maybe 11 o'clock when he's making this statement. Everything's beginning around nine or so in the morning. He comes to the cross. He's now probably hanging on that cross there. And he makes three of those first statements in those first few hours. Then we, we said there's a darkness. If you read this passage, there's a great darkness that comes on the earth or, 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 or uh, at that point right there at the cross. And, and it's absolutely dark. And you can read commentaries about how people couldn't work. It was so dark and that sort of thing was going on. And then he emerges after the, out, of those, out of that darkness and out of that place and makes the last four successive statements that afternoon. You remember, he has to, it has to happen, Peter, before sunset. The Sabbath is nearing. So he's got he's to be off of there. This has got to be done. And so all of a sudden, he, he comes and emerges with four successive statements there. And he actually, all four of those statements are quotations from Scripture, that he's quoting Scriptures. And they're sequential, as we said, and, and he's quoting Scripture. So this is the second statement that we're dealing with today uh, in this message here on the last words of Jesus. And so we're going we're gonna to look at that. And, and we know last week he, he said, Father, forgive them. And if you go to the next slide, I'll just go through these real quickly so that I don't confuse them. But, but we've looked at this for the last when we went through covenant, kind of these little drawings, these little... Uh, but, but God... It put man in the garden, and we said that God, uh, it's, it's kind of like you could circle that garden, and there would, uh, there would be uh, encapsulated by God's presence there. His power is there. His provision. 
provision is there. And so everything that, that, that Adam needs is right there. He is, in, he is fellowshipping with God. He is walking with God. And everything, he, that, that uninterrupted fellowship, and, and that he has this access to God's presence. God is with him there. He never leaves him. God's power is there. Whatever he, he needs, he has authority to name the animals. He has authority and power with God. And then he has the provision of God. God provides everything of all the garden of the trees you can eat. You can have all of this. It's yours, and I'm supplying this for you. But we know that at one command, man couldn't keep it. If you go to the next slide, we see that Adam and Eve were locked outside of the garden and outside of the presence of God. And, and, uh, and so that, that now they're outside of the presence of God. They're outside of the provision of God. They're outside of all of that. And so if you go to the next slide, though, we said last week that Jesus is coming. The second Adam is coming to do something about this on mankind's behalf. And I won't rehash all the covenants we went to that were pointing to the new covenant in Christ. But basically, you see, we said God is speaking to Jesus uh, and, 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 and speaking to him all throughout his life. And he's leading him to this point right here. And last week on this cross that, that Jesus begins to speak back to the Father. And today I added those other crosses there because today we're going to have a conversation going on with, with the people that are dying on the left and the right of him. If you go to the next passage, Jesus begins to pray back to the Father on that cross and he begins to make these statements that are very profound. He begins to make the statements, Father forgive them because that he had, as I said last week, he has to go back to the original sin. Not only is he dying for the present people there that are right there present at that time from that moment forward at the cross. Not only the ones that have the spear in their hand and are nailing him to the cross, not only to the Roman soldiers, but he's also, so from anybody from that time forward, if they cry out to God for forgiveness, Taylor, it's there. It's available to them. Not only, not only is he doing that presently and future into anybody in the future, but he's also reaching back, we said last week, into the garden because there's an original sin that has to be dealt with there. He has to go back and deal with the original transgression because out of the original transgression came all the rest of the sin. It sprang out of that acorn, so to say. That original, that original broken commandment, thou shalt not, you can have all the trees, but don't eat this one, for in the day you eat this one, you will die. You will be banished and you will die. You, my fellowship will be broken. And so, so the second Adam now has got to find a way to restore that fellowship, that intimacy, that Eden, Edenic relationship with God. And so now he's doing that on the cross. He's doing that with doing what the first Adam could not do. He is coveting with God. And we said he actually is becoming the covenant and he's making these covenantal statements that are speaking to us so that we can see exactly what and that first cry last week was God forgive them forgive them they don't know what they do and we said God has all sorts of forgiveness for those who repent and he longs to forgive us and then you'll see an arrow that comes down to the garden because that's what God is dealing with on the next slide I believe is, is there well there's supposed to be an arrow down to the garden but that that God is going to come and, and restore everything back to the garden. But then last week we said, so God has now taken this covenant gift and he's saying, everything I'm purchasing for my people, I'm now going to give it to them. And so he sent the Holy Spirit 
Last week, with forgiveness is now in the covenant. You can receive forgiveness and you can offer forgiveness to others because of what God has done. So, the, so Jesus takes and gives to the Holy Spirit what he has done in the covenant and says, give it to them so that they can have back what they wanted, they were missing from the garden. And he gives it to all the billions of people who call on the name of the Lord and are saved. And so it's absolutely, uh, uh, forgiveness is now available because from that moment forward on the cross, which is what it takes to get into the kingdom of God, you must be forgiven. You must be repentant. You must uh, repent and believe. Sirs, what must we do to be saved? Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will uh, uh, be forgiven and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so forgiveness is now available. And now we come to the next statement today, which is found in Luke 23, verse 32. And I want you to look at these scriptures with me. And we're going to read uh, th these passages of scripture here. And listen to what he starts saying in verse 32 down to verse 40. And it says, and there were also two other malefactors, in other words, bad people, right? That's what a malefactor is, led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him uh, and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left hand. And one of the malefactors which hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing that thou art in the same condemnation? We indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing. So go to the next slide. And uh, Well, let me finish reading or I'll mess you up. Look at verse 42 and for, verse 43. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, today you will be with me in paradise. So that's our second statement. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And now we see see in this sequential statement, Peter, that is coming forth, because of that forgiveness, now today you will be with me in an Edenic relationship. You'll be with me in paradise. You'll have my presence. You'll have my provision. You'll have my power that where I am, there you may be also. And so we're seeing these cries off the cross are absolutely uh, amazing and powerful. So, so go back one slide maybe, or is that the next slide? Okay. Leave it there. I'm sorry. Leave it there. So there's this, 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 uh, this, this conversation that is going on on the cross and this dialogue that's taking place now with Jesus and these thieves that are going on. And three things come out of this dialogue. Number one, Jesus is fulfilling Scripture because Isaiah 53 and 2 tells us this, and was numbered with the transgressors. If you remember in the Scriptures there, it says and he was numbered with the transgressors. So here he is fulfilling the Scriptures of Isaiah 53. He's got a thief on his right, left-hand side. He's got a thief on his right-hand side. And he's fulfilling Scripture, one on each side of him. The second thing that is going on in this dialogue right there is he is demonstrating that this man, these men now have a choice because of last week's statement. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so, so, so now man has a choice. 
One, one does it. One over there refuses the choice. One accepts the choice. Now there is a choice for mankind. It's been sad. We've been locked outside of the garden. There's no choice. There's no way back in. Now these cries on the cross as we go into Easter, they're not random. These are not just words you read in this Bible and take them lightly. They mean something. The Father is feeding something that has been spoken before the foundation of the world that I'm going to redeem mankind. And all of a sudden, He's coming down talking with the Father. Father, I've done what you've asked me to do. Father, now forgive them for they know not what they do. Let them back into our presence. And so Jesus is fulfilling Scripture. He's demonstrating that man has a choice. And thirdly in this dialogue is when you exercise that choice, it's immediate. It's immediate today. Not 15 Hail Marys and write a check. Today you can be with me. Immediately you have access. God hears and answers immediately now. I mean, you're going to get this covenant and you're going to quit trying to do a covenant of old works and you're going to come to understand what this grace has purchased for you and what this provision of Jesus has brought you into. It's outstanding you ought to be doing cartwheels uh, this Easter as we come to church together this year. Amen? Together and we come to church and we worship the risen Savior. Amen? So when you're forgiven, you're going back to this place called paradise. And Caleb, while you're standing, come on up here on the stage. I just, uh, well, we'll call this, we'll, we'll call that the gate. We'll call that the gate, the east gate of the garden. Okay? Because see, we got a problem now. That's all well and good. But remember Genesis 3.24. Genesis 3.24 said he kicked them out of the garden because of their sin and he put cherubim there and he put a flaming sword there at, to guard the east gate because here's why he does this, Mackenzie. He does that because it says there, if we in our fallen state go back in that place and eat of the tree of life, you're doomed. Everybody railing on God about why He kicked us out and put something there not to get back in. It's actually because He loves you. It's actually because if you get back in there and partake in that fallen condition, you never can be changed again. And God is wanting to help you and offer a way of mercy. So He's put a cherub there, which the cherub, we said, I won't rehash it, but it is mercy. They're always on the Ark of the Covenant. They're always there where the blood is applied and where the blood is sprinkled. They are guarding the mercy of God. And that's why they're there. Solomon loved them so much, he even put them in the temple at the entrance of the temple to guard the temple and then you have a fiery sword and man Cole has swords galore and I was going to get a sword this morning and I ran out the door and forgot a sword I saw this by the way this is not mine I, this was so good the, these, some of this is other uh, people that I've gleaned from and, and this particular example is one that's a pitiful sword but <laughs> imagine with me 
It's a sword they used to pierce our Lord with, so we'll use it in his hands and his feet. So, so, so there was a, a sword. It doesn't say the cherub was holding the sword, but we're going to have our cherub hold the sword. And it's a fiery sword, and it turns. And, and the Bible tells us that we know that, again, that the cherub are not little. If you, if you Google cherub, you're going to get babies. Like on the old Van Halen album, <laughs> for y'all you headbangers in the day. They're not babies. I noticed Angela went there. They're not babies with little wings. Cherub are massive angels with big wings. Amen? And, and, so, uh, uh, and, and they're blocking the way to protect us because if we eat in our fallen state, we're, we're stuck in that way forever. And so we know what that is, but what's the fiery sword? Well, Ephesians 6 and 17 says the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Hebrews 4 and 12 says the Word is sharper than any two-edged sword. Revelation 1 16 says from His mouth comes a two-edged sword. So if man wants to get back into this paradise of God, he has to go through the Word of God and this cherub of God. There's no way. The only way that he can get through this Word is by fulfilling that Word 100% completely or he is going to be judged by that Word because the Word is both truth and justice. And so it's going to, when you break it, justice has to become. And so the only one that can do that is the Lamb of God, the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He became flesh, and He dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory of the only begotten Son of God. So what the Son of God did for you is He came over here, and He, he fulfilled the Word perfectly, and so He could remove the Word of God right here, and now there is a cherub of mercy that is here that can allow you back into the paradise and Eden of God. He encapsulated that. He, he took care of it. And he fulfilled it oh perfectly so that now we have entrance back into the king, into the presence of God. Go to the next slide. All right. We'll come back. There's some more at the end. I'll get to it in a minute. And so the problem was a problem until you had the Word of God. And when you had the Word of God, He could encapsulate the sword that kept man out. He could take that away. And now He offers mercy to whosoever calls on His name because He righteously keeps every bit of this Word for us on our behalf. Amen? And so it's absolutely... And we have Him living inside of us now. And so because these words have everything to do with our well-being and reconciliation with the Father, here, here here the Word of God puts out the flame of judgment that is against us. And He took that place of judgment on the cross Himself. He quenched it by His perfect obedience. And now we have access back into the very presence of God. Amen? And so now you go to the next place. And now the, 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 the sword is gone. And now the cherub's gone. And now you have this dialogue that was taking place. You have forgiveness that was given last week that is brought to us by the Holy Spirit. He gave gifts unto men. And then you go to the 
the next slide and there's something absolutely phenomenal that's about to take place is he now has come with this second statement today that's going to give us access and take us right back in to the paradise of God. Now that the cherub is gone, he, he, he's offered forgiveness, he's absorbed and quenched the judgment on our behalf. Now he's taken the wrath of God and now he cries out this second statement from the cross so that we can know today he's had this dialogue with this thief. Hey, hey we've done wrong. We're malefactors. We are thieves. and we've, we've done bad things. We're insurrectionists. We heard that word a lot this year. We're insurrectionists. You ought to know what that means now. And so we, we've gone against the Roman government. We've done bad things and so so he was falsely accused too and then all of a sudden it goes over and the Bible says and he makes this second statement today right now because the other one says remember me when you come I don't care what that other guy's saying I know we've done no wrong you've done nothing wrong so you can forgive me because I heard the statement from last week I heard it just a few minutes ago I heard him mumble something and cry out something to a father in heaven Father, forgive them. So now I want to take advantage of that forgiveness. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, today. And it's the same word found in Hebrews 3 when he says, for a long time, when he talks about the day of provocation today, if you hear his voice, call on him today. And the word means right now, at this very moment, at this very second, he said, you will be with me in paradise. And it's such a picture of grace because that guy is up there and he's nailed to the cross, Russell, for his own sin. He can do nothing. He can't get off and go to church. He can't get off and get baptized. He can't get off and promise anything that he's going to do or not do again. He is simply up there depending on the mercy and the grace of his Savior. I need you. I'm a scoundrel lost. I'm a sinful man. I want you to remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he says, right now, sir, right now, you are going to be with me right there because I'm in the presence of my father. I have the power of my father. I have the provision of my father. And now you are going to be with us together. Amen. And I got news for you. You cannot get to God either. Go ahead and boast and rail and do your good deeds. You cannot get back to God apart from Jesus Christ. You can do nothing but receive the grace of God. And there's three promises that came out of that opening way right there. Three promises. When, when, that came out of opening the way of paradise. Promise number one, he promised the thief to be in God's presence immediately. So he gave him access. He gave him access immediately. This day, right now, Mark, you're in relationship with God again. You've been locked outside, but right now, not talking about another, not talking about tomorrow, today, today, Mr. Thief. You can be with me in a relationship that I have with the Father from the beginning. And then number two promise is Jesus prays to the Father and His prayer is answered right then. 
He's saying entrance has been made. John 17, 24. We read it last week and we've read it in the last few weeks. They, that also, Jesus says, okay, Father, my part, your part of the covenant uh, is that I'm going and I'm going to die for the sins of mankind. I promise I'm going to do that. Now, here, I want a few things too. And he gives this high priestly prayer in John 17. He says this, that they also which you have given me be with me where I am. I know some of you aren't getting it. You see the blank stares in your faces. No, you, you need to get this. Most people think this is about you know, heaven one day, or Abraham's bosom. It's more than that, folks. He's saying right now, relationship with the Father is restored. Reconciliation is the second gift of the covenant. Right now, forgiveness is given, and now you're reconciled to God, and you were a thief, but now you can call God your Father. The Spirit will come and will give you the words to Abba, Father, my Father. That thief now has a Father, the Father in heaven. And he can call. He doesn't have to wait till he dies. He has access to God right now. Entrance to the kingdom has been granted. Father, forgive them today, right now. You can be seated with me in heavenly places. Is that not what the Bible says? You are seated with him right now. Whether you believe it or not, He brings you to the same place. That's His prayer is answered. When you're in the presence of God, your prayers get answered. And folks, this works right now. This is why prayer works today. Because you're in the presence of God. You have the provision of God. You have, the, you have the, what God has for you. The same that He has for Jesus. The same we have in the garden. We can walk with Him in the cool of the day. If we have something that's going on really bad in our life, we don't have to wait. Right now, we can ask God for it. Right now, we're in His presence, and He can, he can, he can supply it. And, and paradise, listen, the word paradise, I think it's paradisio or something like that. And here's what it means. If you go into the Greek, it's, a, it's actually a Persian word, and it means a garden, like a botanical garden. It means an enclosure, or it means a park. It means fruits and trees are there. But more specifically, if you trace the word, it goes all the way to the, to, to, to the meaning Eden. Eden. And go on to the slide. Go on to the slide where you see paradise and Eden. And you see the reconciliation now given by the Holy Spirit to us. Because forgiveness has been made. Now reconciliation is made between you and God. Now fellowship is no longer broken. Now we have access to God. Just like Jesus has access to the Father. And is in the Father. And the Father is in Him. Now let them be in us. And us in them. Just like we were in the beginning. And, verse, and the third promise is the new covenant promise. Is that He will be our God. God. Listen to what Jeremiah 31, and I'm going to get ready and close in a minute, but this is what Jeremiah 30, don't get too excited, a few more minutes. Jeremiah 31, 33. Jeremiah 30, uh, I used to say that and then everybody ragged me, so I'm going to put a preface on the end. Jeremiah 31 and 33. So listen to this. 
And I want to read you about the new covenant. It says, Behold, the days are coming. I'm going to start in verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin will I remember no more. But he says up there, and I will be their God. Now I know this is ultimately to Israel, but it has reference and connotation to us, the church of the living God as well. And you can make it applicable to our lives as well. And here he is, is, is he's saying, I will be your God. And that thief on that cross having that dialogue with Jesus, that thief is now introduced in that moment to God at his, as his father. That hard-hearted criminal in that one moment leaves from that place and comes into right relationship with God. And again, it's only by grace that we bring nothing to the table but believing in what God has done. And that's what this man, repenting and believing, repenting of our sins, believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the message of this gospel is quite simple here, and it's simply this in 2 Corinthians 5, and it's this verse right here that is so good. And it says this, that God, basically, God was in Christ. 2 Corinthians 519 and it says this in this chapter of scripture that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not lit, not imputing their trespass to them and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation he's now committed the holy spirit is now bringing forgiveness and he's bringing reconciliation to our lives and folks in the new covenant in closing you can get a song ready but as I read in that, I wanted to read that whole new covenant because let me explain that in closing, what that new covenant really, really means. When we come to Christ, and this ought to be good news for some of you today, when we come to Christ, that means the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our lives. Understand? Inside of us. Like you, you're not, you're not having to call on God necessarily out there. You can call on Him right in here. Okay, you understand that? He's in here. He's living in here. And, and, and here's what, what the Bible tells us to what begins to happen. It says that when we come to Christ, because some of you are struggling in your walk with God. Some of you have been struggling this week. And I want you to come to get a grasp of all this. There's a lot of reasons we're teaching this. And it's so you can really understand what happens when you call on Christ and ask Him to forgive your sins. You ask Him to cleanse you. You ask Him to come into your heart and to make things new. Then the Holy Spirit comes in resident. And what the Bible tells me here in Jeremiah is that God comes with an eraser. And I heard Carter Conlon talk about this. And it's so amazing. He said it's like the Holy Spirit comes with an eraser. A big eraser. And He starts 
starts erasing the old man. He starts erasing the old habits. He starts erasing the old desires. He starts erasing the old unforgiveness and the old unbelief and all of these things. And he starts writing his law upon your heart. See, the problem with the Ten Commandments were they were outside. And listen, there's nothing inside of you that can keep those laws. In fact, they actually straight to you because your nature is not able to do them. So the more you try to do them, the more frustrated you get. And you make promises. I'll never covet again. I'll never lie again. I'll never cheat again. Only to go out and realize you can't keep your end of the bargain. You have no control because the desire of your heart is your own nature to lie, to cheat, to steal, to do all of these things. So the moment you repent, ask Jesus to come the live in Inside of you, the Holy Spirit brings an eraser and he begins to erase the old lie. He begins to erase the cheating. He begins to erase the desire to steal. And he begins to write, as I begin to read this word, he begins to write things upon my heart. And I'll give you a good example of that that Carter Conlon used this last uh, Tuesday on prayer. He said this. He said, it's like this. When he got saved, he said used to, he started drinking beer at 13 years old. And he said, I love beer and I love whiskey. And he said, uh, literally when he was that young, he drank and he drank a lot. He became a policeman and he said he got saved. He got really saved and born again. He said, nobody told him drinking alcohol was wrong. He never heard a sermon on it. He didn't know. So he said, one day he's leaving his shift. It's late at night. He comes into a little diner and he, so what does he do? He orders himself a beer. He sits it on the table. He orders some eggs. He orders some some bacon and some whatever. And he sits down there and he says, I love God. I love God's word. I'm delighting myself in the Lord. You know, if the Bible says you delight yourself in the Lord, Psalm says, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And so he's sitting there. He's reading the word. And so he said, nobody told me anything, but that's what Jeremiah just told us that no, you no longer have need of a teacher for the spirit will begin to teach you will begin to lead you and guide you into all truth and to begin to show you things that you don't know of. You'll begin to obey this thing and you'll be able to cause you to walk in new statutes and new ways. So he said he's reading this and God is erasing old desires and writing new things on his heart. So he comes, he says that day, his scripture as he's drinking this beer, he knew drunkenness was wrong because there's just this thing inside of us. We know society, we know that's wrong. He knew that, but he just was having a beer. And so he comes across this scripture scripture where Zechariah and Elizabeth are about to give birth to a son. And the Bible says there that he begins to read about this young man, John the Baptist, that is going to come. And this man is going to be an astounding young man. He's going to lead the way of the Messiah. He's going to be the forerunner. And the Bible says, he goes on and reads, he says he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children, the hearts of the children back to the fathers. He's going to lead many people to God. And, and, and Carter's reading and thinking, I want to do that. I want to lead many people to God. I want to be like this man. And so he went on down to read and he will not let any wine or strong drink touch his lips. He said God was taking a pen and erasing. He said, I always had a desire to drink. And he said, in that moment, I said, God, I want to be like this man. I want to lead others to Christ. And if your requirement or if, or if that drink gets in the way of me and you and fulfilling this, then he said, I don't want it anymore. And he said, he pushed that beer away. And in 40 something years, he's never had a drink touch his lips again. And he's led many to Christ. Millions to Christ. 
And it was all because the Spirit of God began to write this law on his heart. And he's able to perform it. Amen? Because now it's in his character, Raymond. Now it's in his very life. It's who he is. It's, you, don't, you don't have to tell him to do it now. It's written there on his heart. It's his nature now to do that thing. I don't want that. I want to go God's way. And folks, that's the evidence of a new birth is that old things begin to pass away. And behold, all things begin to come, become new. Amen? It's inside of you now. It's not outside of you demanding something. It's inside of you. And so delight yourself in the heart and He'll give you new desires. And, 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 and your part is to ask for it. God, give me this. Give me this. I want to lead many to Christ. I want to follow you. I want to follow your ways. I want to do this. And, and, and it happens like this. The day of Pentecost, 120 are trying their best to serve God. John is laid on his bosom. John and others fled. They fled. All of them fled when he got arrested. They were trying to do it in their own strength. Peter wanted to fight. I'll fight for you. I'll do it. I'll go with you all the way to the end. And now he's a failure. And he's sitting there trying to serve God out of natural strength. And he can't until the Holy Spirit comes down on the day of Pentecost with pen in hand and eraser and begins to erase and write new things on these disciples' hearts and they go out of that room and the power and the presence and the provision and the glory of God and they turn the world upside down. And just as Esther once undid the law of death, that's what the Spirit of God comes down and undoes the law of death in moments and writes in a new law of life in your heart. This guy had a death sentence, but in immediately, Haman, immediately, today, today he's forgiven. Today I turn this death sentence into a life sentence. He's not going to die. He's born again, and he's going to live with me forever. And listen, you can't have that new heart Without the blood washing your sins away. Some of you are in sin in this very room. Some of you are in sin. And sin is an offense to God. It's an offense to God. It separates you from God. Look at what it did to Adam and Eve in the garden. Unconfessed sin is horrible. If you confess your sin, He's faithful and just to forgive you. And to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He'll reconcile you back to Himself. And He'll come and He'll take up residence in your heart. That's the second thing about a new heart. Is the blood must wash the sin away. And then the Holy Spirit will come and take up residence. And start writing new things inside of your heart. That's what happened to me in 1994. I spent an entire lifetime in church before that. With a dark black heart. Thinking I was born again. With nothing new written on there. Still the old carnal man still the old carnal desires but in 1994 like that thief I cried out to him and I know the blood came and it cleansed me and he took residence in my heart because the next day that I put my feet on the floor I was a new creation things were different amen, amen. and I begin to walk in newness of life father we thank you God that you come and you put your supernatural presence in our life at the new birth 
We thank you, God, that you come and you, God, do new things in us, Lord. Old things begin to be passed away and behold, all things begin to be new. And Father, if there's somebody here today, God, and Lord, they're, they're, they're apart from you. They're, they're, they're like those thieves on the cross, God. They know, they know, God, they know they're guilty. They know they're guilty of sin. We all are sinners and come short of the glory of God. And yet, God, they've never repented of that. They've never, they've never sorrowed or grieved over that sin. They've never come to a place where they wanted, where, where, where they, they realized, like David, I've sinned against you, God. It's one thing to sin against another man. I sinned against you. Against you and you only have I sinned. And it's breaking my heart. And oh, God, forgive me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And oh, God, we're thankful that instantly today somebody can be forgiven. Lord, Lord, in a moment in 1994, God, I was in an apartment by myself. And in a moment, God, you took and you washed my sins away. And God, you gave me back relationship with you. And I'm so grateful for that, God. You gave me the gift and the ministry of reconciliation to God. And I'm so grateful that, God, I'm in fellowship with you. And that fellowship, God, thankfully, God, you'll, you, 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 you keep and you, and you keep us together. And I'm so grateful for that. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So God, if there's one here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, God, I pray that God, that they would come as the Holy Spirit convicts their heart and they would simply cry out like this thief, God. Lord, they have a choice today. And today, God, they can make the choice of the one thief on that side, God, and they can say, today, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And God, immediately you'll rush them into that Eden, Edenic relationship, God, that where, where man will not have broken fellowship again with God because it's been paid for by the blood of the Lamb. God, we thank you for it. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.